Podcast. This is the podcast you've waited for. Today we're talking about The Greatest Showman, starring Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, Michelle Williams, Rebecca Ferguson, and Zendaya, directed by Michael Z- Gracie. Zendaya. <laughs> Zendaya, one name. Zendaya. Oh, it's Zendaya? It's Zendaya. Okay. I always say Whatever. Zendaya. What? No. No, that's... No. No. I'm probably going to say Zendaya the entire time. Please, it's going to be another Gal don't. Gadot. No. Gold Gadot. No. Sorry. Not again just the way it is you're gonna take it and you're gonna like it <laughs> all right um so yeah we're here fulfilling another previously uh mentioned podcast that we were gonna do previously, i think i mentioned this mentioned like literally podcast. in november last year so uh yeah we're here talking about the greatest showman uh starring hugh jackman so um huge jacked man uh so i'm My ryan's friend co-host. i'm brendan i sorry i'm brendan also host and and person on this podcast that has actually met hugh jackman Oh, that's right. Uh, I am Matthew, <laughs> another person on this podcast. I have not met Hugh Jackman, sadly. Yeah, that'd be a pretty cool experience, Brendan. Have you have you told us this story before? Yes. I'm I'm certain that I have. Yes, I know it was a joke. Yeah. Uh, um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, so Greatest Showman came out December of last year. Um, I believe, maybe November. Um, but it was you were a big release. For it. I was very excited for it, which is the reason why I decided that we were going to do a podcast on it um so i guess yeah i'll start with my me uh i was hugely excited for this movie i kind of saw it as like a spiritual sequel to la la land because that's kind of how they uh advertised yeah. it and uh if you go back and listen to our pretty bad second episode where we talk about la la land um and we have a legendary talk about a bathroom um <laughs> uh but yeah so i love the scene I, uh, where she's in the bathroom yeah that was not my fault that was you guys <laughs> editing it but, uh, yeah, so I, I was really excited for it because I love that movie. It was by the same writers um, of the music. Not not of the script, but of the music. And uh, so I was, like, it looked pretty good by the trailer, so I was, yeah, I was pretty decently excited for it. And then it came out. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about that in a second, but what were you guys' uh, anticipation levels for this movie? Um, so basically, like, I, I really didn't have that much of like an opinion on it like i had heard it was happening i didn't really know that much about it until i think i got like a package through amazon that had like the logo on it because they were doing that as like a promotion for a while um i don't really think that i necessarily had like any huge huge opinions on it i i actually i didn't see it in theaters the first time i i only watched it i think i was like at a party or something and people were like let's put this movie on and i was like okay i guess i'll do that and then I watched it, and I've seen it since then. But that was the first time I watched it, so that was yeah. a weird experience. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw the trailers when it came out as well. I didn't, I didn't think it looked like anything special, so I really didn't really want to watch it. After, and then it got all the bad reviews, so I wasn't really anticipating anything. Uh, yeah, so I only saw it for the first time, you know, a couple of days ago. Yeah, so we talk about the bad reviews, but honestly, the Rotten Tomato score isn't that bad per se. It's a fifty-five percent, I mean, which isn't. I mean, like, which isn't great, but it isn't terrible. Yeah, but fifty movies with fifty percent Rotten Tomato scores like generally aren't that enjoyable. <laughs> like, yeah, generally not. True. Um, but yeah, so it, it wasn't universally panned yeah. by critics. More people liked it than didn't. No, um, I feel like it was more of a meh reaction than a, like, this is the worst movie ever. <laughs> very much so, except for me. I fucking hated this movie. Yes. <laughs> um, I hated this movie with such a passion that it became a joke with my friends and that someone bought it for me as a gag gift. Um, 
Oh yeah, forgot about that. It's you can you can yeah. say Sean. He Sean. Yeah, he works Sean. On he's this on this network. The, yeah, he works <laughs> on this network. Sean bought it for me as a gag gift for graduation. That's how much I hate it. Um, and it it just kind of became like a notorious thing that I hated this movie so much. But I think it was because I actually, unlike you, Matt, thought the trailer was really cool. Um, I was really into the style that it was going for. It seemed like it seemed like it was going to be a, a you know an uplifting movie with an actual good message. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's not what happened. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I'll go into the plot summary, then we can start actually talking about um, the movie in, as, in general. P.T. Barnum is a young tailor boy that falls for a girl, Charity, of a man that his father works for. His father dies, and P.T. is left to fend for himself. Steal as an adult, steal a loaf of bread. It's really uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. Ah, and um, Jackman, too. Exactly. Perfect. Funny. As an adult, he marries the grown charity and works as a clerk. He gets laid off and then decides to buy a museum. The museum flops and he realizes that people are fascinated with the strange and deformed. Barnum recruits different oddities to be in his greatest show and it becomes a smash success. Barnum becomes rich and famous and recruits Philip Carlyle, a well-known respected playwright, to join the show. Carlyle introduces Barnum to Jenny Lynn, the Swedish nightingale, and Barnum decides to abandon slash leave, depending on the way you look at it, the troupe, for, uh, t- leaves the troop to Philip to take Jenny on tour in America. While touring with Jenny, she, for unknown reasons, screws over PT and intentionally sucks, then kisses, kiss attacks him on stage. His wife leaves him for the kiss, and protesters burn down the building that holds the show. Philip and Anne, one of the troop, troop's trapeze artists, begin to fall in love for each other, even though it's interracial and forbidden. Philip, with his leftover money, decides to buy some land and build a tent to restart the show. PT begs for his wife's forgiveness, and she caves in. P.T. leaves the greatest show on earth to Philip to raise his children. And that is the basic plot of The Greatest Showman. Whatever Um, there is of it. The lack thereof of plot. Yeah, the lack thereof of plot, exactly. I literally have in my notes, at the top of my notes, it says, Greatest Showman notes, first bullet point, don't hate unnecessarily. (laughs) And then immediately my first bullet point was, this opening pisses me off. So I want I want to get into this opening scene, and I want to talk about something that's immediately really annoying about this movie. Sure. Uh, my favorite song in this movie is "The Greatest Show," and it's so annoying that they cut in half the I would say the only actually good song in this mm. movie, and that it could have been such an effective closer, but instead it just feels like this false start. And I really, really don't like the opening of this movie. How do you guys feel? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely, like, a really cool, like, anthem uh, that they're kind of instilling in you. But then my problem is that they really don't bring it back. Like, it's this, and then, like, at the very end, you get it again. And then it's like, oh, that was the opening again. Why didn't they use that again throughout the movie for, like, theming and shit? But, like, <laughs> for some reason, they liked a million dreams... Like, one of the worst ones? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, um, this opening scene, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed the song, actually. Actually, that's an exaggeration. I, I did not really enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it wasn't that good. I'm giving this movie too much credit. But I know this... Um, yes, this is going to be a great podcast. Um, uh, this is going to be, like, the only scene I defend. But, I don't know, th- this scene kind of won me over. I thought the cinematography was really beautiful. Like, just, um, you know, I thought the camera movement was really fluid. Oh, and just, boy. You know, fun to watch. You know, everybody jumping around and doing all their stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it was fun. It was fun, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on it that much. Okay, so you you touched on a point that I feel like is going to come up a lot. I think 
this movie, and I'm just going to get into this right now. It's directed by a first-time uh, director by Michael Gracie. This is one of the worst directed movies I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> There's just so many bad cinematography choices and direction choices that it baffles me that this guy got a job. Is this guy a stage director? I don't know. Like, I looked him up and I couldn't find out. Like, I'm assuming that he's a stage director because there is no creative creativity in camera angles and um, showing, like, in the, the there's some uh, shots that I'll get to in the later uh, dancing sequences where it just looks like the guy doesn't know where to put the camera. Yeah, I think a big problem that this movie also has is that you can't really do real-world spectacle in a movie because it doesn't work. Because it's like, yeah, exactly. of course they can fucking bring in as many, like, trapeze artists and elephants as they want into one place. And, like, that could all be CGI for all I know. Spectacle would have worked so much better on stage, and that's what I'll say about this, is that, like, I don't mind this movie, but it would have been so much better on stage because it was just full of like all of these things that if you brought them to like a stage and had like live animals and like all of these like circus performers and things like that that it would have been like completely amazing but in a movie it's like yeah i mean totally of course they have all those things it's a fucking movie like yeah. half of it probably isn't real so i don't know i mean like zendaya is like a body double half of the time so like seriously oh yeah no well, 100%. With, with the trippy stuff yeah yeah. Oh, with the trapeze stuff, okay. Yeah. yeah. I have, as one of my main complaints that's going to keep popping back up, like, this scene would be cool on a stage. Oh, like, 100%. it would be impressive on a stage. Like, if this if this came to Broadway, I would buy a ticket to go see it because it would be impressive on a stage. But as a film, like, there's nothing impressive about it. Really? I, I mean, yes, the, the elephants were completely CGI and some of it didn't look great, but I don't know. I got, you know, I got kind of caught up in the moment, and, you know, this, the song was happy, and it was fun to watch, you know. I have a heart Oh, I'm it. not I'm not specifically <laughs> harping on this scene, I'm just okay, saying no, the, yeah. the movie in general. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I, I want to talk about another thing that kind of bugged me a little bit. I hated the, uh, the use of the uh, silent yes. film title cards. That oh, really, really bothered me. I don't know why, but it just it it immediately aggravated me. Well, I guess you could say that, uh, like stylistically, it doesn't really fit in at all with the rest of the film. But I mean, I mean, it was just used like three or four times in the very beginning of the movie, so I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was really cool. I don't know. I thought it was neat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just probably an aesthetic because this movie is anything but silent. It does not shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I like the song. I think it's a little too f uh, flashy and fake, kind of the entire movie's that way. Yeah, all but, the songs are like that. Uh, but yeah, this this edit is decent. I'll give it that. Where um, where uh, Hugh Jackman slowly turns and the everything falls away. I, I do kind of like that as a as a stylistic choice. Um, but then we get into this sequence with him as a kid. Holy it's shit! Oh no no yeah I I hate this scene. This is probably the oh worst my god scene. it's oh my god it's so bad. This is horrible. Oh my god yeah. It's like wait like a mood killer immediately. Oh, Even yeah. if you were having fun with the first scene, it's like holy shit. This is where we're going next. Like really? Yep. Uh, this it's not well directed. It jumps in time really quickly. Like in one song, he's gone from a ten year old to Hugh Jackman. Uh huh. Um, and I don't think the kid performances are any good. The song, this song is terrible. Oh my god, Ugh, a million dreams is so bad. Easily the worst song in the show. <laughs> oh Plus, my god, it's there's like 
the entire thing is like there is no build in their relationship whatsoever. It's just like, oh, he's married. Good for him. I know. I'm just like, I was like, there's right. no courting process except for that when it goes, they courted hit her when she was a child. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah. Like when they, he courted her when they were like 10 and then it's it showed like, nothing of their relationship afterwards until they're married and with children. It's like, oh, okay. Like yeah. it just, it's just because this movie is all surface and that's, that's the real problem with this it's movie. It's really that, a fluffy kind of like, and which is why it would be fine on stage because there are plenty of stage musicals that are all fluff and like really no meat that do really well because they're like all spectacle and you're just like, oh, that's cool. But then just and this, this. the spectacle would be enough on a stage, like for you to feel like you got your money's worth because you saw a live elephant and you saw basically like a circus, like a circus Slay <laughs> show with yeah, some exactly. singing in it. Um, so it'd feel like you saw something pretty interesting and natural, but on in in here, especially as we'll get to some of the characters later, they just it feels very forced and fake. Yeah, I think then we get into this sequence and we finally get Hugh Jackman on screen, and let's let's talk about Hugh Jackman a little bit. I love Hugh Jackman as an actor. I think he is so mediocre in this movie. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he was. I thought he was good. I mean, um, the two main actors, uh, Michelle Williams and Hugh Jackman, you know, both fantastic, fantastic performers. Uh, I thought they were both good in this film. I think it was just the surrounding film and the script and everything else around them that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's fair. I, I feel like they were definitely dragged down by a lot of what this film mm-hmm. did. But I didn't feel like they were, you know, bringing their worst work. Like it definitely felt like they were trying and definitely. You know, they were putting in good performances, just in a bad film. <laughs> yeah, I would say that... I'm not saying that Hugh Jackman's terrible in this movie. I just feel like he never popped out of me. There was there weren't many moments where I was like, oh, that was a good performance choice or something like that. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't like it, he was terrible or, like, brought down the movie at all, like his performance wasn't. But it just... It wasn't... It didn't feel like anything special. Like, it, maybe it's because I had it built up in my mind because Hugh Jackman was so good in Logan. And like I was like showing in that movie how good of an actor Hugh Jackman can really be, that I might have just been like a little let down that it wasn't as deep of a performance. This opening scene, I love the joke kind of. I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke or not, but I laughed that the pencil tip breaking was a, a clue to show that he was unhappy being a desk clerk. <laughs> it was like I huh. that had to have been a joke, right? That cannot have been serious. I, I don't know, but it, it made me laugh out loud that I'm like, seriously, that's what they're saying? Like, oh, he's unhappy because his pencil tip broke. And if you think that we're rushing through this a little bit, we're actually not. We're still in the first, like, six minutes of the movie. Yeah. Because um, all of a sudden, he gets fired from his clerkship. He lies to the bank about owning a vast navy, basically, of shipping, of trading ships. And robs the bank, basically, of money to start his um, wax figure museum. And it immediately shows you how shitty of a person uh, P.T. Barnum is in this movie, and not, on- not only in this movie, but also in real life. Yeah, I don't know a lot of the history behind his actual character, but just from things I've heard, it sounded like he wasn't the greatest guy. <laughs> uh, no, he kept people in cages. Yeah. Um, a, a story I heard on a podcast that I enjoy, Double Toasted, said that... Um, he offered um, black people weed and said that it would turn them white. Ooh. Uh, so yeah. he's a he's a real swell guy. He owned a slave at one point. Um, so, yeah, he, he was a real swell guy in real <laughs> life, um, which I think is one of the big problems in this movie. We can get, get to this point now. How much does the 
historical inaccuracy and how terrible of a person P.D. Barnum really was in real life bother you guys in this movie? Yeah, and I feel like it is. it bothers me even more because they do even try to bring it up in the film how, about how, you know, he's... He, he's like uh, in the one scene the performers get mad because they get a sense that he's exploiting them just for money but then they kind of just brush that whole thing aside and I don't know everyone just becomes happy in the end <laughs> it's weird <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 annoying that they would just you know completely um, make this whole situation seem like it was totally fine oh definitely yeah I mean it's just kind of annoying to think that like there was all of this stuff going on and for some reason they were like no nah, let's not talk about that let's just have him be a fun campy character like yeah i, I mean it, like h- how hard could it it couldn't have been that hard to just come up with a fictional story of hey here's this uh mm-hmm. you know uh run down on their luck guy and he comes up with this idea and he makes something fantastic and you know you just make it a circus you just don't call pt bartum <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's a really easy solution to have P.T. Barnum's story, basically, uh, and don't say that it's P.T. Barnum. Just make it, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of obvious to people who pay attention that's supposed to be P.T. Barnum, but we're not celebrating the guy, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? By putting his name on it and being this, like, inspirational figure, people now think of P.T. Barnum as a good person, yeah. when he was not a good person. It, it's, it's frustrating. It's very hypocritical, because, I mean, the whole movie's message is about acceptance, you know, being who you are, and it's a very optimistic film, but it's completely shattered by the reality of the situation. Yeah, 100%. And also, I wouldn't even say, like, that Barnum in real life is worse than Barnum in this movie, but he is still a piece of shit in this movie. Like, I don't leave this movie thinking that this character, fictional character of P.T. Barnum was any good of a person. We'll get to some scenes later that he is just, he's straight up an asshole. Like, not even is he a, just a bullshitter, as we're talking about right here with this, um, this uh, navy of ships that he claimed that he had in the Indian Ocean. But, like, he is literally just a mean person to these, uh, quote-unquote freaks, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so he gets... Not nice. I said quote-unquote. I'm not saying they're freaks. I'm not saying you. I'm saying that he called oh. them freaks. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't saying that they were freaks. I was quoting Barnum in the movie. <laughs> I know this, this is stupid, like a musical trope, but at the end of the Million uh, Dreams, that's what the song's called, right? Yes. Um, at the end of that song, uh, it's it's his children then singing the song, uh. and it just popped in my head, like, how did they know the lyrics from when he was a kid? <laughs> like, that's just a stupid logic thing, but, like, I was just so thrown off by that. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Oh, no, it's a musical. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a trope of a musical, but it still kind of bothered me where I was like, what the fuck? Why is this, Why are his kids singing it all <laughs> of a sudden? What the fuck? Is that allowed? Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. And I, I love how there's multiple times in this movie where his kids just become the fucking magical genius kids that change everything. No, yeah, except for the kid that. who becomes the tree. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Yeah, that made me laugh. Um, no, but yeah, so so his museum flops, and then his one daughter is like, people want to see things that are alive, and then he's like, hmm, let me think about this. Oh, I know, there was some deformed lady who gave me an apple once as a child. People are really interested in that. Let's make a circus out of deformed people. <laughs> that and was, I was so like, dumb. Was like, Hold on a second. <laughs> it was just such a leap where I was like, what the fuck? Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> what? Especially, yeah, exactly. Also, can we talk about for a second his just like museum of like death and stuff, <laughs> where he has like a fucking guillotine, just like cutting a dude's head off repeatedly, and it's like, mm, maybe people don't want to see that. Crazy idea. Yeah, I, yeah. He his first museum was not that cool of a place, to be honest. 
Like, I don't know why he thought people were going to be paying money to see that kind of stuff, no. even at the time. Um, but yeah, so I love how this movie um, has this message, like you said, of, um, you know, accepting people for who they are and, you know, all, all these things that are good messages, but then wraps it up in a story that is very obviously and calls, calls itself out that is manip. It's such a frustrating thing to see um, in the movie that apparently is you know all for the outcasts and trying to you know show diverse people and all that stuff but then like they say in the movie he's literally just specifically um exploiting them so that he can make money yeah exactly like how how is like like even just in the movie not just pt barnum in real life like the guy in the movie is doing this and people are still celebrating him i don't understand that i honestly couldn't tell you it's really just kind of strange that people are so attached to this character. I guess because he's like, I want to come back and be a good father. But then, we don't know if he ever did. Well, he came back, but do we ever know if he became a good father? I mean, no. So what's where's the redemption? In- yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. It, it just, it, it's, it's annoying. They bring it up slightly and then they brush it aside. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, moving on, we get introduced to uh, Philip Carlyle. Uh, the uh, famous playwright played by Zac Efron, except the problem is that this famous playwright is not famous because he's not real. He didn't exist uh, at all. Really? <laughs> like, not one bit. Nope. He was a wow. completely fictional character. Yeah, so, so this goes back to what I'm saying. If they embe- if they try to make this real story account, but then they completely embellish upon it and add Zac Efron and uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character and like make up all these fictional things, how hard would it have been just to make a whole fictional plot? <laughs> and just make yeah, exactly. a fictional character. <laughs> yeah, this this Philip Carlyle character is 100% fabricated. Uh, this dude never existed. Uh, and then also, on top of that, his love interest, uh, the character that Zendaya? Zendaya? Is that how you pronounce it? Zendaya? Fuck. Um, <laughs> so close. Zendaya. Um, that Zendaya plays is also 100% made up. And yeah. I found out through some research that they literally made these two characters so that they could, again, manipulate us, the audience, into wanting there to be a uh, interracial couple just to sell more tickets. Because, like, oh, we'll have an interracial couple, uh, two famous, attractive people, and they'll fall in love, and then it'll be a good message. And that's that's manipulative and frustrating, too, on the, on the same extent. Yeah. Yep. Oh, definitely. I, like, I, it's just, the movie, not only is Barnum, but the people making the movie are now manipulating audiences today. Like, because yeah. you're like, oh, I want to see these things represented on screen. Like, that's awesome. But no, go watch, uh, what's the, Loving. Go watch Loving if you want to go watch a movie oh. about a good uh, interracial relationship. Fantastic that's a fucking movie. great movie. Great movie. Like, those are the type of movies that you should be spending your dollars on if you want to see these type of stories. And, like, unfortunately, movies that don't do it with such pomp and circumstance. Ooh, I accidentally just did a graduation thing. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, but like movies that don't aren't as out there won't get the attention and get the ticket sales that are necess- are necessary for the stories that they're telling. Because mm-hmm. those films aren't just trying to advertise themselves as progressive to sell more tickets. And we've talked about this before with how studios just feature. Um, um, or they'll tease about how there's a gay character in one of their films, and you know it's like yeah. half a second of him like holding hands with another male character, you know, as a, a woman and a woman. It's ridiculous. It's annoying. You know, very frustrating. And I think this movie is very, um, very reminiscent, or whatever you want to call it, for today's Hollywood system and the liberal Hollywood system that we live in right now. That is kind of liberal, but at the same time, like, doesn't want to like lose conservative audiences and. I feel like I guess with this movie is a little different. They did want they did kind of like be like, eh, 
screw you conservatives, we'll take the money from the liberals, but... No, but beyond that, we don't need to get too political on this episode. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think um, this Dreaming With Your Eyes Wide Open sequence uh, I want to get into is because this was the first time that I really thought that this was a mediocre scene on film. Cause, but because someone didn't know how to direct it, I feel like this would have been so much better on stage. Okay, yeah. W- which song is this? You said Dreaming Eyes uh, Wide Open? I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to remember. Uh, what, Million Dreams? Or? Oh, no. Fuck. Sorry. It's the uh, the song in the bar. The other oh, side. Oh, okay. oh yeah, The God. other side. Yeah, yeah I was a little Yes, confused. I love the other side. My apologies. Gotcha. It's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, we could talk about Zac Efron's performance, which I, I'm not a fan of. Um, I don't think he does. Like, I think every... Him or his performance? Uh, what's up? Him or his performance? His, his performance. I think everyone, in this, with the exception of some of the uh, the performers performers that he has, are like they're decent. But I, I just, I think he's he's a little bit. He kind of uh, ruins the movie for me a bit. I don't think he's. Great. Efron ruins the movie for you. I mean, he doesn't completely ruin the movie for me, but I think he's he's one of the bigger because I mean Hugh Jackman. I think you know. Uh, his performance almost elevates this film a bit for me, ever so slightly. But um, Zac Efron's probably the next, uh, like the the, the next uh, big uh, male star in this film, and he is not not my favorite. Yeah, I really like this song. Um, it's it's actually one of the like best songs in the sh- like best written songs in the in the show, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. It just there's something about it where like. The rest of the music drags at some points, but this is so upbeat that I really kind of like it. And also, I I really like the male duet that they have. Go. Yeah, I don't I don't love this song. It's fine. Um, I I wouldn't say that it particularly excited me in any way. But uh, the choreography, especially in the the scene that it's in, did not inspire much. Also, I want to point out they would have been dead by the end of the scene, which how many shots they were taking. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that? <laughs> it was a lot. I was like, it was like, it was like continuous throughout the scene. They would just be like, shot, sing for a couple seconds, shot, sing for a couple seconds, shot, sing for a couple seconds. I'm like, oh my god, like, what are you doing? They didn't show it off camera, but they both like, as soon as the song was over, they just fell on the floor and passed out and had to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I enjoyed the choreography in this scene. I liked, you know, uh, sliding the glasses along the bar, and you know, the bartender's doing all this cool stuff in the back like he's the unsung hero of this song honestly he was like yeah. you know, when he comes through with the broom that was hilarious <laughs> i can't tell if that was intentionally funny though <laughs> i don't know but i laughed I <laughs> which, which was nice so you felt a little bit of joy watching this movie so it was a nice change of pace uh, this scene at least yes yeah yeah no the choreography itself is fine and that's what i was saying that um on a stage that'd be cool um but i just don't think the direction or the 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 actual capturing of it by the camera was very well done at all. Yeah, it's, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of head-on shots on a set, which is uh, ultimately, I think, the problem with the the uh, the cinematography in this movie is that a lot of it. They're cool sets, they're cool dance sequences, but it's shot so boringly that I get bored watching something that's very interesting. And that's the thing about a stage. Uh, that's difficult and fun about a stage direction, uh, directing a stage performance is that. It, the director really get, gets to you know fill the stage and do what he wants to do or she to guide the people's eyes but oh, with a movie you're expecting the director to orient you to see what he wants you to see but he doesn't do that M- michael uh gracie doesn't do that he just literally has it look like a stage where you just kind of are looking at the people dancing and it's not entertaining to watch right yeah i think that generally the way that this was put up 
it just didn't allow for any like real movement to happen within the scene like i mean you had things going on but it feel it felt very stagnant like it didn't feel like where like as whereas like on a stage you could have like the choreography and things like that that like it would be really interesting um and i feel like in a scene like that it would be like I can't even imagine. I'm trying to think that maybe it would be more of like a dance number kind of thing, um, doing like tricks and shit. But um, just because it's more along the spectacle lines of things is what this like entire movie goes for. But I definitely think that it uh, it it didn't it didn't deliver, which was a problem. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna contend with you, Matt, on that Efron was not a good performance in this movie. I think Efron actually brought a lot of charming charisma of not being a piece of shit like Hugh Jackman like Hugh Jackman's charismatic but he's not a, he's a piece of shit uh and I thought that Efron was actually a nice breath of fresh air because he had charisma and he wasn't a terrible person um see that I think that was one of my problems with it I didn't think that he had charisma and that was his whole character he's supposed to be this very popular you know um charismatic guy but that, that you know that's the thing I didn't think that he was his personality just didn't seem... It didn't seem charismatic. It just seemed kind of boring to me, actually. He just seemed sad. He just seemed sad. <laughs> kind of emo. I don't know. Yeah. I liked I liked Efron perform- Efron's performance in this. Maybe it's just because I like Zac Efron. Yeah. I think he's actually a talented actor, and I think that... Um, I'm really excited, actually, for the uh, Ted Bundy movie that he's going to be in. Oh, so I, I think right. that'll... See, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything with Zac Efron that, you know, made me truly go, wow, you know, this guy's... This guy's got Not some even High School Musical? Ah, uh, you know, it's, that's tempting, tempting. Have you guys seen Neighbors? No, I have not. He is, is very is he... funny in that movie. Okay. But, I've seen... But was it, like, was it like a good performance, or was he just funny? I'd I'm, say it's a mix of both. Not to say that, you know, comedic acting is just, you know, completely easy, but, you know, sometimes... Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, not as hard as putting on a dramatic performance. Yeah, no, I get that, but I would say no. It was actually, a, I'd say, an actually funny good performance by Zac Efron and I, I I've liked Efron in movies that I don't like like, like I said this Mike to someone Dave recently I forget who but yeah like he's better in that movie than the movie is that's mm. fair let's review that at some point Mike and oh Dave god no I don't want to watch that movie again <laughs> I, I saw that, that movie in theaters man I I did too and it was not a pleasant experience now that was one of the worst comedies I've seen in a while wow. um but back to this movie um push pop Okay, and I want to move on to uh, this critic guy, uh, played by Paul Sparks, who I actually really like uh, Paul Sparks a lot as an actor. If you, uh, I know I've brought up the show a few times. It's now kind of an eh show to talk about. He is great in House of Cards. Um, he plays a reporter, actually, also in that show um, that has a very intricate relationship with Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey's characters um, in the show, and he's, he's fantastic in that show. So when he popped up here, I was like, oh, it's that guy from House of Cards, and I was really excited. And he does fine. I mean, he, do, he has a very thin role, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, got, you guys feel anything about his performance? He was good. He was just, yeah, like, whatever. his character was kind of annoying, because I was just like, just leave him alone. Let him do his shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel I've written down in my notes that it was like, ha, we'll get ahead of these critics. These critics probably aren't going to like our movie. We're going <laughs> to say fuck you critics in our movie. That's true. <laughs> but no, I thought he did fine. Like, with the character that he was playing and that he was casted as and probably directed to be, I thought he did as much as he could. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's it's whatever. Not the end of the world, but, you know, it was nice to see a little bit of what I thought was a really, you know, talented actor in there. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. 
But it just gets to the problem, though. Uh, his character, I think, was was re really when I had it written down that like every single character in this movie is so paper thin. Yeah, you never you never really leave the film feeling that connected or feeling any that much empathy toward any of the characters, which is surprising when they give you a cast of these supposed outcasts you're supposed to really care for, but I just didn't. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I know um, Ethan, I believe it was Ethan, who said that he enjoyed uh, Greatest Showman more than La La Land. Yeah, and I, I just completely disagree with that because there's no character or, like, no relationship, no character, anything in this movie that I was ever emotionally attached to, like I was to Mia and Seb's relationship in La La Land. Yeah. Like, even if the music you want to argue is better, like, it's better performed, and there's better dancing and all that stuff in this movie than La La Land, for me, that I don't really care, you know? Well, that, uh, yeah, one of the problems is that they really just give you this group of outcasts and just tell you to care for them. Like, you're not really ever given... Like, you're not really given a good reason why. Like, yes, you know, because they're persecuted and there's this group of protesters, but it's just, they don't feel real. And, and maybe that's back to what we were talking about, how, um, you know, it's a movie. Like, okay, there's a bearded lady and there's a guy with a lot of hair and a tall guy. Like, it's not really inciting any uh, amazement or wonder in me. You know what I mean? Like, they just, I didn't feel like they gave us a reason. They kind of just threw it at us and said, here you go. Feel sad. Yeah, can, can you name one character in this movie in the troupe, not Anne? No, probably not. Exactly. Yeah, honestly, no. No. Yeah, like, they, none of them are characters. Even the bearded lady, I can't even think of her name. I think, I don't even know if they said her name. Yeah. Um, who, she was good. I thought she was actually, like, performance-wise, she was a good singer. Oh, yeah, I agree, definitely. Beautiful voice. We get, this is really where we get introduced to the, uh, the romance between, um, Zendaya's character and Zac Efron, and, you know, I already went into that a little bit, but I think all of it is, is quite bad. Um, I think this scene with the queen that we get into next is quite painful to watch. Um, not only because it's, I don't think it's a very well put together scene, but also because they all laugh at, um, well, I don't know what his name is. Um, the, the guy that played the, the general. Yeah, the midget that played the general. I don't, I don't know. Are we allowed to say that? The that little word? person. The little person. Ah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, something about his character. Was it just me, or did his movements look yes, so strange? Yes, I was going to bring that up. Be because, which is weird, because he is actually um, short in real life. Like, he's 4'11 in real life. So I don't know. Oh, he looks way shorter than that. Okay, so that's why I was going to say. So maybe they digitally ma made him shorter for the film. But even the way, even his mouth and his face and the way he was talking and the voice, just did, it did not feel right. <laughs> it looked like a puppet, honestly. Yeah, and I was like, did they just get a kid? to yeah. do all the body <laughs> movement and then just dub it over with an adult voice. But no, the guy's actually 24 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, there's no way this character's 4'11". He's like 2'5 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't know um, what they actually... I couldn't find anything. I tried to look for it, and I couldn't find anything. Now, if, if someone could point it out to us, that'd be great, but I couldn't find anything on what they did. It looked like a puppet to me. It literally mm -hmm. did. Um, and he has some of the worst lines in this whole movie. Oh, oh my yeah. god, so bad. Yeah, the the dialogue in this movie is nothing uh, to to be celebrated. Yeah. Um, but after this scene, we get introduced to uh, Rebecca Ferguson's Jenny Lind, 
who Rebecca Ferguson's a good actress. I like her in the Mission Impossible movies, and I like her actually in the uh, Alien ripoff Life that I thought was mediocre that came out last year. Oh my god, I forgot um, about that movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she's fine in this movie. Nothing. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna say anything good or bad about her performance. I think she's. Hmm. I'm trying to think who I think is the best female performance in this film. It's obviously between uh, Rebecca Ferguson or Michelle Williams. I think Michelle Williams. Well, I might go. Nope, I'm gonna go with Rebecca Ferguson. You know, I don't. No, okay, yeah, Rebecca Ferguson <laughs> for the time being. But I think Michelle Williams is also very good, and her song in this film, which we'll get to, is my favorite. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't have any feelings toward Rebecca Ferguson's performance in this movie. Maybe it's because um, she just her so- her big song scene where she sings "Never Enough" is so obviously not her singing. It is that I it's know. just it's painful to watch. And can we can we just get into the music? Yeah. Like, I did not like the music at all. Like none of this, none of this was, uh, none of this was something that I could just like uh, like listen to outside of the film. It, yeah. it wasn't even something I could enjoy in the film. I hated it. There were like yeah. The only songs. song. Go ahead, Brennan. Oh, I was just gonna say there are like three songs that I actually like. Yeah, I only like uh, "Never Enough" is fine. It's a mediocre song um, that I could kind of listen to outside of. Um, Outside of it, but I listened to the Greatest Show before it came out, and I thought that was actually—I think that's actually like an independently catchy song that I can listen to. Sure. Mm-hmm. Pro, but beyond me, that, no. Yeah, for me, mine, the Greatest Show and Tightrope, but still not very good. Song. See, mine are um, Greatest Show, From Now On, and uh, the other side. My two are Never Enough and Greatest Show. And, uh, <laughs> from Now On, such a good song. For me, really? mm. yeah. for me, for me, the song just felt much too over the top. Shoving your face, we're being inspirational. Feel happy. It was just, oh my god, it was like killing me with like all this joy they were trying to shove down my throat. <laughs> um, yeah, every song was the same. It, okay, I just didn't think it was musically creative. Like it just it sounded wasn't. like it sounded like anything else. It sounded like I was listening to bad alternative music. Like I just, it was just, ah, <laughs> I did, I hated it, man. No, yeah, I agree with you, and it's it's interesting that these this is Pashkin Paul. I mean, this are the guys who wrote the lyrics for La La Land. I mean, I mean, Justin Hurwitz wrote the music itself, but these are also the guys that wrote Dear Evan Hansen, which is yes. good song, which is good music, and Dogfight, which is also a good show. That's so surprising. I know, right? Man, no these these guys are good. These are talented people, I yeah. assume. But they are very talented. Uh, they went to UMish. But yeah, no, I don't think their work in this in this movie was very good. Definitely. Um Yeah, after this okay, so let's talk about this never enough scene. Um it would have been fine, but honestly, like a, another problem that I had with the direction is just it's just the camera on Rebecca Ferguson as she lip syncs a song. Mm. And doesn't like sometimes it'll go from her side, sometimes it'll go for her from her from you know her perspective almost um in, out into the audience sometimes we'll, it will get a, a reaction shot at a Hugh Jackman when she, he first hears her singing but like, it's wow. just not it's like it's a, literally like a two and a half minute sequence of the movie of just her standing on the stage and singing yeah and uh, I, it is kind of I do I'm mean, inside from the fact that it's obviously her not singing I, I think she's putting on a good performance in this scene but it does get a little boring because the song's bad <laughs> yeah fair. Well, and, and it's the one thing where it's like, she's lip syncing. I'm not blaming this on Rebecca Ferguson. That's not an easy thing to do, but, yeah. like, it just so obviously does not look like she's singing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So after this in my notes, I fell asleep. But once I woke back up and finished <laughs> watching the movie, um, I think that this message that they go, um, that they go into with, uh, like we talked about earlier, with Zendaya and Efron's characters, this is where the scenes that we get a majority of their relationship. Uh, it's it's a good message. I like that they're trying to. S- I'm like I like the message like independently, um, but again, it feels manipulative, and then it also really feels forced into the movie. It does. It does. And, and I kind of forgot to talk about Zendaya, but I, I did. I really liked her in this film. Uh, one of my favorite parts. Oh yeah, she was fine. Film. I thought she was. You know, she's a good actress, and I, her character was good. You know, but like you said, it's just framed within the context of the film and how they made this film and what they fabricated. It just it feels wrong. <laughs> yeah, their beef when um when he like refuses to hold her hand and just very cheesy and uh. It, it comes back a later kinda in a scene with uh, his parents mm-hmm. that um, I kind of like that scene um, it's it's fine uh, but it doesn't really ever get it's it's too quick of an interaction for you to get a deep uh, deep acting out of it because they just want to get to the next set piece yes and that that's kind of what I feel like the story in this movie is and I think honest trailers pointed that out it's like literally just a little bit of story a little bit of story set up this next set piece and let's go um, but yeah I want to I want to talk about this scene, um, Rewrite the Stars, uh, with Efron and Zendaya. Uh, it's just, just such a blandly shot scene in the first place, yep. and I feel like this song is the epitome of the movie. Like, this is, like, if you want to if you want to listen to a song that's, like, an encapsulate what the movie is, it's going to be this song, I would think. Just, yeah. like, the cheesiness, the forced happiness, you know, that kind of stuff. And then... Things. Because they are rewriting the original narrative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but also, I think it had the funniest moment in this in this movie for me, where um, she is flying around on the trapeze and she fucking body slams into Zac Efron, oh and God, the yeah. music just keeps going. Like there is like absolutely no reaction that she was swinging in at like 15, 20 miles an hour and just body checked Zac Efron, but they kept singing like it was nothing. <laughs> the first time I saw this in theaters, I literally like just uncontrollably started laughing. I could not <laughs> just hold like, myself back. Ouch. Because it was, it like, I, I literally just... I was so shocked that I was like, they literally just body checked each other and just kept ah, singing right through it, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. my god, this is a, this this was a rough scene for me. This was probably one of the worst scenes in the movie. Yeah, I kind of liked the. I liked her swinging. I mean, that was a really dumb moment when she body slammed him, but I could get, <laughs> I could, I could enjoy it, you know, just on a superficial level. It was level. so funny. I'm swimming, swinging around, and all this, you know. Then we get uh, a scene of Hugh Jackman not being P.T. Barnum, I think, where he's actually being a serious actor in this scene with Jenny Lynn, um, where he uh, talks to her about, you know, they have this champagne moment, and then uh, she kind of comes on to him. I guess we'll have this conversation. We kind of had this conversation off camera, off mic, but uh, let's, let's, what is Jenny Lynn's motivation here? I have no fucking clue. Um, it's not clear. So I don't think she's manipulating him for his money or his success. Because she's obviously already a very financially successful person. <laughs> um, she probably uh, just thinks he's hot because it's Hugh Jackman. It's like, like uh, oh, damn. And I don't think... And that's how deep we're going to have this female character be? Like, really? Yeah, and I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't think that she's 
in love with him and wants to spend the rest of her life with him because she's very like as soon as he you know she kind of comes on to him but then he kind of resists a bit and she kind of like flips out and walks the other way i mean i just don't i don't think it's that case i don't know i think like you're saying it's just a poor it's a poorly written character i think so i think that's what it it is which is sad because it's very it's poorly written i was gonna say that's like seriously we're gonna have this (laughs) strong female character who could be a strong female character, just want to sleep with Hugh Jackman's character, and then she's going to screw him over and, like, ruin his life, kind of? Take that. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Is that is that how we're going to write this movie? Like, I, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to look it up. I guarantee you these are, this is written by males. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Billy Condon. Uh, no, Jenny Bix and Bill Condon. Bill Condon was the uh, screenwriter for um, Chicago and then directed Beauty and the Beast. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Um, he wrote this movie. Uh, so I I don't know it, it's it feels it feels a little misogynistic honestly and it, especially and when you Subtly. know when you know that um you know that that this this uh, romance between them is fake it never actually happened then it just really feels like fake drama that they just added in there for another you know here's another little another little plot line you know a little twist and turn to keep you excited. Yeah, really. Yeah, of, of all the things that you could have put in there to be like, hey, P.T. Barnum's kind of a shitty person, and a, like an affair was not one of them. Like, that was, like of all didn't the things you could have chose from, it didn't even happen. Like, yeah. that's the one thing he didn't do. And they don't even address it well, because it happens, you know, Michelle Williams kind of gets uh, her song, and then stuff just kind of becomes happy. It's just, it's strange. It's, this happens in this film with the, these problems that they bring up, and then they just kind of brush it over and move on. But then, yeah, no. But then the 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 house gets burned down. Oh, oh. no! Why? Because yeah. they're freaks and the yeah. people don't like them. Don't Did this actually happen in real life? Did his place get burned down? Probably. I haven't heard it I one way or another. At this point, I want to talk about this scene though because I think it's very again poorly made. Where Efron or uh, uh, Philip Carlyle, Efron's character, runs in because Anne. Uh, apparently wasn't in there, and then she, like, as soon as he runs in, she just fucking runs from behind, It's like, hey, I'm here, I made it out, and then, uh, Hugh Jack, uh, PT is like, oh, I gotta go in and save him, and instead of going into the burning house, where it would have been actually, like, interesting to watch for once, we just sit out there and just have reaction shots of everyone, like, oh, he went in there, and then yes. all of a sudden, a few seconds later, he just carries Zac Efron's body out, so, like, the whole thing was purposeless. We didn't yeah. have the budget. <laughs> And, and either, no, but it did. And, and exactly. either way, I know even more so. Like when we were just seeing the reaction shots, like we we know he's gonna come out. We know he's gonna live. And oh. even if the camera would have followed him inside, we would have known that he's gonna live. But at least it would have been a little bit more exciting. You know yeah. what I mean? It would have added something. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it probably would have just uh, gave us some really crappy CGI. Also, so maybe it's better. I don't know. Is, is it better than reaction shots? Nah, I know nah. it feels lazy. It feels very lazy. Yeah. Also, we didn't talk about the song This Is Me, which I don't... Oh, yeah, we kind of skipped over it. I don't it. give a single fuck about. Everyone no. is so obsessed with this goddamn song. And I'm just like, <laughs> why? Because you think that you're unique. Because you think that you're so special that you need a song about being different. Like, it's a it's a catchy song. It, it has a good message. It doesn't move the plot along. It's it's just there. No, it really doesn't. It's, ugh. And, like, that's what makes me mad. Like, I don't really care that, like, people, that, like, it's, like, people are like, oh, my God, this song changed my life. And I'm like, well, good for you. I'm I'm glad that, like, uh, that musical theater or whatever the hell this is, is, like, 
changing <laughs> your worldview and your perspective and making you feel better. But like, it it does. Oh, it serves no purpose. Pick a better song to have that happen to you for. Literally, yeah, there like, are so many better songs that you could have that happen uh, to you for. Good message, is, bad song. Yeah. Yeah. This is another. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good. Like, and that's what. Like, my mom loves this song. And I'm just like she always like she gets mad at me. She's like Ryan, you should like it. And I'm like, no. I, I'm sorry, I don't like. It's a good message. Like yeah. the message is fine. Oh, totally. But in terms of like actually it being presented, I didn't like it. And also, this is another one where it was like, oh my god, it's literally just people dancing in a line, and the camera's just sitting in front of them and watching them do it. It literally exactly. feels like a stage performance that was recorded. Yep. Yep. It's just it's no no creativity, and it's just people standing around them yelling at them while they sing and stand in a line and dance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Are you surprised? Because I'm sure not. No, because that's how the entire movie was shot, but it's just frustrating. Exactly. Um, but no, yeah, and this this scene also made me write down, um, for a movie that about celebrating humanity, I don't see many real humans or human moments in this movie. In this, Like, even in these uh, the scenes with Zendaya and um, Efron, where he's, you know, recovering, uh, and, you know, they're holding hands and they're crying, like, I, I felt nothing. I was like, you know, oh, watching this movie, like, cool. oh, great. Yep. They lived. Like, they- agreed. It's, yep, flat, like, no emotion. And it's it's so opposite from La La Land. I I'm gonna keep uh, probably um, comparing this to La La Land because I feel like they the marketing did it. The movie wanted to be wanted us to think about La La Land, so I'm gonna hold it to that. Um, Fair enough. There is there is no moment in this movie that comes even close to the joy and the pain that that movie is able to represent through the musical genre. Mm-hmm. Just because we don't get any characters in this movie. And the only character that we get is a dick. Yep, and we have, like, 30 characters in Greatest Showman, and yet we care about none of them. Two characters, uh, you know, two main characters in La La Land, and then we care... Only really three yeah. total. Because yeah. if you count John Legend, that's, that's about true. it. And we care. I mean, by the end of La La Land, you are freaking. When, when he's singing <laughs> in the club, you are invested. <laughs> oh, I was bawling. I mean, you my are bawling, dude. Like it's, it's, I was on a uh. plane. I was like, holy did shit! Did you cry? I, I think I did. I can't. Yeah. I was. I can't remember on the first viewing I did, but I think on this. Oh, I cry every time I see the. I I've love probably La seen La the movie Land. like twenty times, and I cry every time. Like if you cry every time. <laughs> I do cry every time. Yo, but yeah, and I think another disappointment that I had with this movie was that. The trailer kind of, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I thought there was going to be characters in this movie. <laughs> but then just to find out that it was no. just hollow, that was very, very disappointing. So surface level. Oh, it is. Um, and then we get, this, uh, we get this reunion between Michelle Williams after her tight tightrope song, which I don't even remember really. Uh, it's not very memorable to me. Do you guys? Do you guys I like just, it? I, I know just, one of you mentioned that you like this. I just remember. I, I like the song. I like. I like it because I like Michelle Williams as an actress. I like the shot where she's, um, you know, she's running throughout the hallway of the room with Hugh Jackman, and it's like viewing it through the windows. But then she turns and he like disappears with the curtain. No. That was cool. No. No, yeah, I like. I, like um, <laughs> I love Michelle Williams. She's a great actress. Oh my God. Her, she, her in Shutter Island. Whew. Oh, I forgot she was in that. Oh, I, I, see, a, whenever I think of Michelle Williams, movie. I always think of Manchester by the Sea. And uh, that freaking scene where she's crying with Casey Affleck is, like, the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Oh, no, she's fantastic in that yeah. movie, too. No, but, yeah, so I want to talk about this scene where they get reunited. And then, you know, they kiss, and it's all happy. And then we get this 
this uh, two shot of them standing in front of a sunset, and it was the most blandly shot, beautiful sunset that I've ever seen in my life. There was almost yeah. no color to it. Yep. Like, and you could tell the colors were there. Like, if like if you like know how to play around with even like your iPhone camera, you know that you can tell that there's colors there. But they chose to have it be muted. Mm-hmm. And for a movie that's all about color, that felt like a really weird choice. I actually think uh, one of the one of the best lines in the movie then comes up. Uh, when they're all standing in front of the rubble of the theater or whatever it was, um, and uh, bearded lady goes, "Don't go sensible on us now." And I was like, "Please, dear God, do." There's only like five minutes left in this movie, but try to get a little sensible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this greatest showman song that that closes us out after we get this like it, it feels like a very abrupt ending. Whoa. Um, End. Yeah. Basically, I this was the moment where I was like, this this scene right here, this last scene would be incredible on a stage. There it is. The straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> what, this last scene? Yeah. The, yeah, oh no, the, it was, my, the back was broken a while ago. <laughs> the, ca- <laughs> the camel's back is dust at this point. <laughs> no, no, literally, the camel is a bloody pulp at this point. Oh. The, the, the back is not broken at this oh, point. The back <laughs> broke with the kid. The, 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 the humps were broken at the, that kid started singing the fr- second scene and I was like, alright, I'm done. My lovely lady humps. <laughs> Lumps, lump. Wait, how does that song go? Oh. My humps. I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Camels aren't important right now. Sorry, Brennan. Can't can't help you out there. Damn it. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh. But no. I another time that I laughed out loud and I got slapped or you know my arm slapped in the theater for laughing out loud again was the fucking elephant at the end. Oh yeah. When when literally he just rides down the street of in new york on a fucking elephant like what <laughs> why? why i gotta be honest i don't even remember the ending of this film like <laughs> really? I, I i just i don't remember any of this <laughs> how uninvested i was you don't remember the elephant walking down the street of new I, york i honestly don't <laughs> oh my god it's amazing you know, it's amazing you know what part makes me laugh it's a little bit back in the film but when they're singing that inspirational you know this is me song <laughs> <laughs> okay, because you you can't see the the short guy. Man, I forgot his name. Uh, you can't see him in certain shots because the camera will be too high up. So he literally just disappears in like like uh, the whole thirty seconds. You're like, where did he go? It's hilarious. <laughs> That's terrible. It's That's like, terrible. But it is terrible. Kind of true. Um, Charles was his name in the movie. Charles. Okay. Oh, yep, and it does say here that it wasn't his voice. Of course not. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know exactly what the technical, uh, well, as we said, we don't know what the technical things done with that character were, but uh, not convincing, let's just put it that way. Yep. Um, but no, yeah, as this, as this last scene wraps up, he goes, he goes to his daughter's uh, ballet where she's the tree. Oh, her ballet um, recital. Yeah, which is which is see your school your kid in a school play where they're playing like the doorknob in Alice in Wonderland. I laughed so hard when I saw her as the tree. Oh my! I did too. I thought she looked cute. It was kind of a sweet moment. It was freaking hilarious. (laughs) Was wait funny for a bad reason or funny? It was funny because they like are showing the really talented like ballet girl and then they just show (laughs) and like she like she's like I study ballet and then we should see a girl in a tree costume. I actually thought it was kind of sweet. Though. It's like, oh, this is you know, this is the outcast of the family. <laughs> no, oh, no. That, she's like, the weird one. I, I like, I made a circus. I'm a ballerina. I'm a tree. <laughs> I became a tree. Oh. 
cool. It's like a weird like uh, plant form of furry. Oh no. I, oh my god, that's Oh, yeah. we just went a, weird a on this one. A leafy. I was I was just reading an article about this on Vice. I'm not even lying. <laughs> Wait, there's a real. This That's is becoming a thing? a thing in real life. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Yeah, some. It's some. It's just some weird sexual thing no. with trees. Oh, Why? God. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, yep. we're not talking about children in this in this aspect. We're done. Okay. Yep. We're done. Nope. Moving on. Yep. Moving on. I'm done. But uh, no, this last scene. I think, like I said before, the sh- the song "Greatest Show" is a good song by itself. This scene, spectacle-wise, would have been awesome. On, awesome on a stage. But um, I actually don't. I think the Barnum in the crowd whispering the lines to Greatest Show is actually an effective way to end the movie. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. It was like, oh, a mo- a human moment. Whoa, 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 and then it was over. It was like, what? Wait, oh, and it's gone. Damn. Yeah. It was just moment. It gave us a human moment. It's like, nope, we're done. We were yeah. this close. Uh, so unless there's anything else that you guys want to specifically talk about. Um, yeah, I don't got much. <laughs> All right, then I think we'll uh, wrap it up. Final thoughts, Brennan. Oh, boy, howdy. Um, this movie had a lot of problems, and that's really most of what I have to say about it. Um, it it's just, it could have been so much more. They built it up so much. There was so much potential, but, like, there were just so many things that they just, like, had the opportunity to do something good and did something bad. Like... This would have worked so well on a stage, but, like, it it was just, like, I'm convinced that it was almost, like, Hollywood greed in that they were like, well, we'll make more money if we don't put it on Broadway, if we put it, like, somewhere else. But thinking that, like, it could have been a, a whole thing where it was, like, where they could have done, like, spectacle and where so many people would have, like, loved to see that and would have paid, like, hundreds of dollars to come see that, especially with, like... Ramin and Hugh Jack, uh, like, uh, so the the talk is that if this ever comes to Broadway, that Ramin Karimlu w- would play, um, would that play would be fantastic. PT. And uh, I mean, I, I, all the things that I've seen him in, from Phantom to Evita, he is incredible. And uh, Anastasia, um, and all of the other things that he's done, because there are many, but uh, that he would be amazing. And in the um, in the read through of this, uh, the uh, Philip character and then Zendaya's character were played by Jeremy Jordan and uh, uh, Cynthia Arrivo. I always mess up her last name, but they're two oh. uh, two very talented Broadway performers, and they would be yeah. fucking awesome in this show if it ever came to Broadway. Um, but there was just, like, so, so, so much that could have been done with this, and they blew it. They just totally blew it, and that makes me really sad. And there are, like, some redeeming parts, but not enough for me to give it more than the C minus that it's getting from me. Yeah, I came into this uh, recording not thinking I'd um, give this movie a lower rating than I am going to give it, but after talking about it, good God, this movie is not good. And see, the problem is, you can't even defend this movie by saying, you know, guys, it's just trying to be a kid's movie. You know, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's not trying to be anything big. But but the problem is that it is. You know, it's trying to make these big statements. It's trying to be a huge, inspirational, awesome movie for everyone. And, like, I don't think it's directed at kids solely. So it just... And, you know what we've talked about with the, with the fabrication of the story and adding these things in, and it's just trying to you know make the film seem progressive when in fact you know it's not um, you know it feels as exploitative as what P T Barnum did in real life and you know in the end I was not invested in any of the characters sure there were instances 
of good performances here and there, but nothing, you know, nothing to warrant a good rating. We're gonna go with a uh, a D. Yeah, a good D. Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> D. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I I agree with basically everything you said, Matt. There's there's moments that shine through the the very last shot of the movie. Um, a good song here or there, uh, and an underlying positive message that gets just sugar coated and sold for the lowest common denominator. Um, overall, this is a very very disappointing movie. I didn't hate it as much as I did the first time. Talking about it made me hate it again. Um, honestly. But actually watching it, I didn't hate it as much as I did the first time. Um, because I kind of let some moments get to me a little bit. But in terms of filmmaking, this movie is terribly made. Mm-hmm. Uh, the direction, the cinematography, uh, the some of the performances for the screen were not satisfactory. I thought Hugh Jackman was a little a bit of a letdown, to be honest, um, in terms of his performance. Uh, maybe it was because Logan I thought he was so good in. And that he was such a such a great actor outside, you know, Hugh Jackman just a great actor. That I thought he was lesser in this movie um, than he could have been. Uh, so overall, uh, bad direction should have been a stage musical. I would still pay probably hundreds of a uh, hundred dollars probably would be my max to see this show. Probably I'd pay good money to see this show on Broadway because I think it would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm gonna give it a D as well, Matt. Um, it's not it's not as terrible. As some movies are, it wasn't my least favorite movie of last year, but it was close. It was really close. <laughs> it's always yes. more enjoyable to talk about good movies. It really that's is. True. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's why we don't do these very often. But uh, I said we were going to review this, and also my burning passion for it made me want to tear apart a movie a little bit. So that's kind of why we're here. Um, but let's talk about what we are doing coming up. We finally have a little bit of a finite schedule worked out oh, geez, um, for the man. next for the next couple weeks. Uh, so let's talk about that. So. Unofficially, this was a start of a mini-series that we're doing, um, just of some movie musicals that um, we had thrown around the idea a little bit. Uh, Brennan was really the one who really wanted to do this. Um, As I am a musical theater actor, I should should think that it would be a good idea. So um, I decided that I was going to throw a couple movies onto the schedule and then tie it into a new release. So next week, we got 2012's version of Les Miserables, um, which I'm very excited to talk about. Yes! Oh boy, it sounds like I'm going to be the one defending this one. Okay. Uh, oh, um, I like the, I like the movie. I like the movie. I don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, September 24th we will be reviewing Les Mis. Um, October 1st we have uh, Phantom of the Opera 2004, uh, the Gerald Butler version. Uh, so that's going to be fun to talk about. And then on October 8th we have uh, Chicago that we're going to um, talk about the Best Picture winner. Yeah. Um, so that <laughs> will good. hopefully be fun to talk about. Um. And then the theatrical release that we're going to be tying into is A Star is Born, uh, the new kind of like pop musical, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, the, the music is not of the older versions, I believe. It's uh, Lady Gaga, uh, Bradley Cooper, new movie coming out that is having huge buzz, uh, already is getting uh, Best Picture uh, nomination talk in that kind of Best Actor, Best Director for Cooper, because he wrote and directed... or wrote directed and starred in it so um so yeah I w- i'm excited for this movie so it kind of doing this movie musical series kind of both uh appealed to brendan so we could do more movie musicals like he wanted to do and then i get to talk about star is born which i think looks fantastic agreed uh so that is the first little uh series that we're doing um 
But to, to end out October, we are breaking my rule. I am allowing the rule to be broken this one time for a specific reason. On October 22nd, we are reviewing the original Halloween, um, the John Carpenter 1978 film. Um, and then we are jumping immediately to the 29th to the new David Gordon Green sequel uh, to the original film. The reason why I'm allowing us to skip all the shitty sequels yeah. is because they don't even count in this version of the uh, of Halloween. So, uh, Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018. Halloween 2018 is a direct sequel to the original, so I'm allowing us to skip all the shitty sequels. Also, because I felt like we'd probably, like, no one would want to listen to Halloween 6, you know? Yeah, probably not. So, uh, so we're going to be doing two theatrical releases in October, um... That is the the set in stone schedule. We have a couple other ones on the schedule, but I think I'm gonna wait to announce them until we get a little closer. But that's our schedule up until the end of October. Yeah. Nice. So, so, what 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 movie are you guys most excited to talk about? Uh, probably Phantom, just because I love the stage musical, and I hate this movie so much. But I can't wait to tear out a new one. Yeah, I tried to mix in a couple good ones and a couple bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am probably most excited for *Stars Born*. Um, it it took me a bit to come around to this movie just from the trailers, but like I, I've seen it so many times now going to the movies that I don't know. Whenever Lady Gaga starts singing, it just sends chills down my spine. I think it's <laughs> I think it looks like a very promising film. Oh my god, I get choked up every time that Lady Gaga starts belting I, in that trailer. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, all the films on here, because usually, you know, the films we record, you know, I might have like already seen, and you know, we did the whole Star Wars and you know a lot of the DC things. So a lot of these films, I haven't seen, with the exception of Les Mis, like all these movie musicals, which I mean, I've all been wanting to watch them for a while. So yeah, super pumped. Yeah, I've only seen Les Mis and 30 Seconds of Phantom, and then I turned it off. That <laughs> So that's going to be an interesting one, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about it because uh, it is an important uh, adaptation, I think. Sure. Um, but then Halloween, I have actually, I'll admit, I have never seen the original, uh, so this is going to be a new new uh, viewing experience for me. And yeah, then we'll me get either. to talk about the new release. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, so no, yeah, I'd say, the, I'd say the movies that I'm most excited for, the, the last three weeks in October are uh, our review of A Star is Born and then the two Halloween movies are probably what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. But I will be a staunch defender next week. Be ready for that. All right. Oh, I, I will, I will be probably along, along your side. <laughs> good. Alongside <Okay>. you. <laughs> it's a, it's a good movie. We're gonna talk about it, and uh, it'll be fun. Well, all yep. right. Uh, so, uh, it's yep, that. Since I watched it, I don't. I probably uh, haven't watched it since 2013. So. Wow. Because I hated it. All right. So well, you're you're gonna have to watch it again, Brennan. Uh, and then you can shit on it, so feel better about that. All right. That's fair. <laughs> All right, so I uh, want to say thank you guys for listening. Um, check out this uh, on the feed. We just had our first uh, two shows launch, actually, last week, um, the Star Wars podcast. That was actually the three of us here. Uh, and then, Matt, you were on a different podcast. Do you want to talk yes, about that? Yes, Back in Style, me and Logan's Twin Peaks podcast that I'm immensely excited for. First episode dropped. We just reviewed the first pilot episode, which was absolutely mind-blowingly amazing. Um, so, yeah, totally check that out. We're going to go through all Twin Peaks, so it's going to be a lot. It's going to be pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, check out all of our new shows. Um, 
Brendan on the last episode uh, of CTP said that he was going to be doing um, video game stuff with Sean. Yes. Uh, we don't have any set details yet, do we, Brendan? We don't. Sean and I are still figuring out logistics of that just because like, we're trying to line up our schedules. But as soon as that is uh, underway and we will have a release date for you hopefully soon. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, make sure to check out um, all the older episodes of CTP. We have um, this Wednesday will be the next episode of my Schmodown podcast. A lot of talk about right now. Uh, and then Friday we have another Stop, Wait, What? So that's our week this week. Uh, and then next week is uh, the second week of the second batch of our Star Wars and Twin Peaks episodes. Yes. So uh, join us uh, Wednesday and Friday for those shows and then next Monday for Les Mis. And um, thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you next time. See ya. See ya. Um, but yeah, I, um, mm. let's see, where did I, I lost my spot in my Oh, minutes. no. Uh, oh, oh, dang. Uh, oh, you oh, it up. Oh, jeez, Morty. Oh, jeez, Morty. Oh, jeez, um, man. <laughs> Welcome to CTP. 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 I'm just looking for something that is, that's, like, worth talking about. Slowly devolving. Which, which is hard to find in this film. <laughs> Uh, this is slowly becoming a stop. Wait, what? God damn! What am I talking about? <laughs> okay. Uh, um, the fire, um, and then what happens? Oh, then you're uh, like, is Philip gonna die? No, a fucking course not. And then he's sitting <laughs> in the rubble and sings from now on because okay, yep. his friends. The say, film critic. The film critic comes over. They. He's like, I didn't like your show, and he's like, thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's what like and... honestly talking to any critic feels like. It's like you know. I really didn't like your show. It's like, cool, cool, cool. We're kind of critics a little bit. Oh, we oh, are, are exactly. Are, I, I mean, that's literally what we're doing. We're critiquing movies, so. Oh, true. We're not like this kind of critic, though. Yeah, he's no. just he just has a stick up his butt.